From the boardroom to the locker room, sport captures the imagination like little else. In this podcast, we talk to the men and women who make the big decisions and those who make the big plays to find out where sport is and, importantly, where it's going. But we do so through the only eyes that matter, those of the fan. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of The Bucket List, brought to you once again by our friends at Infinity Sports Travel. Joining me, as always, for this particular show are the two scallywags themselves, Roger Mitchell and Giles Morgan. Gilo, how are you, my friend? I'm very good. I'm, I'm slightly um, genuinely in a bit of mourning. Um, you'll have seen the news that Carl Weathers, um, a former, former NFL um, and Oakland Raider, better known for being Apollo Creed and um, in Happy Gilmore, died this weekend. And... And I'm not being flippant. He genuinely was a sporting hero to me. I think that Apollo Creed is one of the great characters of of sporting movies. And his death um, left me very shaken. So it's been, uh, we talk about, and I know you did in the last GOG, about Sniper's Alley and and, and we lost, we keep losing people all the time. But Carl Weathers, I discovered as I read the news on BBC that really did shake me. So, um, yeah. Uh, sorry to start with a, a bit of a downer, but you know, rest rest in peace, Carl. Absolutely, no. It was uh, I, I. I watched. I think my first Rocky film was Rocky Two. I think I was too young for Rocky. I was about nine years old when Rocky came out. But Rocky Two and Rocky Three with Mr. T. I must have watched that film one summer in my summer holidays thirty times. I know every line from that film. Uh, and you're right, Apollo Creed losing it. And of course, I, I think he was, if not the person it was said to, but he was around when the immortal line, get to the chapa, was uttered in Predator, <laughs> of course. He was one of the people not told to, to get forgotten. to the chapa. Yeah, not to be forgotten. And not, Happy not Gilmore. I mean, and that, Happy Gilmore. And Chubs. Happy Gilmore. Exactly right. Oh my exactly God. right. Yes, a sad day indeed. And Rog, you're here as well, obviously, my friend. How are you? Everything good in, uh, in the I'm lake? good. I'm good. Um, I did my column to, uh, out today and it was great response. And um, Davide, who it was about, over his 60th birthday, uh, got very emotional. So uh, job done and uh, te- tears all round. Rog, I, I wanted to ask, um, something's happened in the last two years. You've become an author. The, the book is selling beautifully and everybody keeps asking me how to get a freebie and I've told them, it's impossible. You can't get a freebie from Rog, nor love, nor money. Easier to get a pint off you. Um, but also the, the Sunday columns, in all seriousness, you, you seem to have gone up about seven or eight gears. My question is, do you have a, is it, have, you got a have you got someone helping you? Are you juicing? Are you juicing? Are you juicing? Yeah. No, uh, thank you, Giles. Um, uh, listen, seriously, uh, I, I, somebody said it to me once. I think to- Tobias Jones editing the book has um, translated also to the columns. But I've just found um, a whole vein of things I want to talk about. You know, it's just, you know, what they always say, it's not really important how you do it, it's make sure you get something to say. And, and, and I've had a fair amount to do that. But, you know, warning for next Sunday, after five or six weeks of romantic Grant Williams-esque softy, softy <laughs> stuff, I think I'm going to have a go. go. I think I'm going to have a go at what the reality is with Endeavour, the valuation, the uh, Silver Lake talk, uh, taking, uh, talking about taking it private. Oh, I'm here for uh, that, Rog. So um, I think I'm going to have a real proper hard finance go at Endeavour. 
Excellent. Stand by your beds. Forward to that. Stand by well, your we have, beds. We have a very, very special guest joining us, a man for whom the three of us have all cheered at one point in our sporting careers, which is interesting. Giles, more than the two of us, obviously, because of his uh, national affiliation. But Giles, why don't you let everybody know who is joining us on the bucket list shortly? Absolutely, Grant. Um, Yian Evans joins us on the show this week, um, a treble British and Irish line, which in of itself is an extraordinary um, achievement and one of Wales's finest ever rugby union wingers and a proud son of Llanelli. Yian is now chairman of the British and Irish Lions. The great commentator of, of, of rugby union, uh, Bill McLaren, once described him as Merlin the Magician as he had the habit of conjuring tries out of absolutely nothing, including snatching maybe the most important try of his career from a really dreadfully calamitous mistake from the great David Campese in 1989, which handed a Lions victory our way. Uh, as chairman of the Lions, um, which is arguably Rugby Union's greatest um, asset, I suppose, he is not, I don't think, in any doubt about the role that the Lions has to play in helping Rugby Union um, face some of its, I think, quite existential challenges. And... On the day it was announced that the Welsh um, great um, fly half Barry John died, how apposite it is we welcome the great Ian Evans to the bucket list. Tremendous, Charles. And, Tremendous. and for American listeners out there uh, at home trying to Google and figure out how to spell Ian, just give up. You'll never get it. Just give up. Yeah. You, 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 Siri. You, Siri. Siri's got half a chance, I would imagine. Uh, but that's about the best you're going to get. Well, uh, let's bring Ian onto the show, shall we, Charles? Perfect. Yian Evans, a very warm welcome to the bucket list. How wonderful to have you uh, join the show. Thanks for inviting me, Giles. No, well, we've been delighted. And you and I have obviously been uh, spending a bit of time together with uh, uh, various recent sponsorship announcements mm -hmm. um, with the British and Irish Lions. But it would be remiss of us not, particularly on a, on, on a day where uh, it was announced that the great Barry John has, has, has died, um, just to get your reflections as a very proud and one of the great Welsh rugby players yourself, just to maybe just pass some comment on, on Barry and his legacy on not just Welsh rugby, obviously, but the British and Irish Lions. Well, anybody who car carried the sobriquet of a king um, really no, needs no added words uh, to describe how special a talent uh, Barry John was. Um, he captivated the rugby, indeed the sporting world, really, and um, his his talent, the style, he glided so effortlessly. And anybody who's played at that level understands how uh, how much effort goes into it. And he just had that ability uh, that mere mortals could only dream about, um, to look so effortless and timeless, really. Um, I mean, uh, he played... The Lions in 71, 50 years ago, over 50 years ago, and you still think of those moments that just brought you into sheer, sheer raptures. And this is the, this is the era that um, uh, brought probably the Lions to a greater audience in, in many ways, to a larger audience. TV was more readily available and so on. You saw those pictures early in the morning from uh, from New Zealand in 1971 and had a, had a huge impression on, on me. You know, and um, you know, and watching that growing up, and I would have been six, seven years of age, thinking, 
I'd love to be able to do that one day, represent the Lions on these on these tours abroad or uh, win a Triple Crown and Grand Slams for Wales. Um, you know, that's... Uh, he is an uh, an absolute giant of the game and sorely missed. And but most of all, my thoughts and and, and my heart and prayer go, goes out to the family uh, of Barry. He was a wonderful gentleman and uh, a fabulous talent, and sorely missed. Yeah, and um, if I could say, I'm I'm not naturally a rugby guy. Uh, we are the same age, more or less. There's very few weeks between us, I noticed. Uh, and all I can say is that not coming from a rugby home, um, Barry John and that Welsh team in that Welsh jersey was something magical, as you say. You know, uh, it brought it brought a new sport for me into, into my living room. And, you know, together with the anthem, uh, and as you say, he had that, he had that thing that, you know, so very few sports people have that ability to look as if they're playing at a different speed and he had more time and more space. And um, the name as well, for some reason, seemed incredibly magical. Uh, and I just think, you know, it really is an honour for us to have you here today on the day that he passes away that we can we can share that moment because I, I think it is very very important. Welsh rugby and the Lions is one of the great great sporting uh, um, icon type imagery. And um, thank you for those words. And, and and I just like to, if if I can, pass them on to to Wales as well. Uh, it's 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 my pleasure and my privilege to do um, just recount some of the some of the feelings that I had when I watched. Barry John play, and that's what it is. You know, anybody plays elite sport, and um, he certainly was an elite sportsman, an elite rugby player. It just uh, generates that joy and love for a game, and um, and that's what we do. That's a role as 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 you know, um, you know guardians of 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 the game and the sport and any sport. You know, you create those moments, those magical moments, as you touched on, Roger, that inspire, that generates that warmth and, and sheer joy and elation. Uh, it is, you know, truly intoxicating moments like that when you get up early in the morning and just watch these sort of things happen and play out in front of your, in front of your very eyes. Yeah, we have many listeners from around the world. Not all of them will be familiar with what the British and Irish Lions are. And you are the chairman of the British and Irish Lions now and uh, a wonderful appointment and, and something that is going to be a huge opportunity both in 2025 when the Lions go down to Australia to play the Wallabies and then even more excitingly, perhaps under your tenure, is the first ever women's British and Irish Lions tour um, going down to New Zealand in, in 2027. Because this is the bucket list and because for many, many people who love rugby, the British Lions probably is the ultimate bucket list just as a fan. Just explain, because you'll be doing a lot of this, I suspect, over the next year. Explain to the those of, in our audience who may be American or South American or Spanish or Italian who don't really know rugby very well. Just explain a little bit what the British and Irish Lions is and, and why it holds such a special place in the heart of those who are who are people of rugby? Well, uh, representing the British and Irish Lions has in many ways shaped and defined me as a player and as a person. It's, it's, um, it's the culmination 
of anybody's rugby career from British and Irish um, nations. And uh, it's in many ways, it's a glorious anachronism in many ways. You wouldn't design it on a blank sheet of paper. And that generates so, and, and you use the word the ultimate, and it is the ultimate. It's the ultimate experience for players, because ultimately players are everything in terms of without players, you don't have at all. Um, it is the ultimate. It's the ultimate experience for the players, for fans, um, sponsors, broadcasters, because it is so different to anything else. And um, so that the difference drives the Lions, We've obviously benefited and um, from the fact it's different to anything else. It's probably the last touring team within um, within rugby. Um, other sports still tour, but very few tour, actually tour and away from a period of time. And on top of that, it's uniting. And uh, in the current world affairs of the moment, when something brings you joy and unites, actually hold on to it uh, because there are precious, precious few things in the world at the moment that do those two things. I bring that. They live in a very troubled world. And rugby has that ability because it's the ultimate team sport, but the Lions does it again and amplifies it. You bring in four entities coming together in a space of a number of weeks. You take them a craft way across the world to take on the best teams in the world in their own backyard and then take them on in a test series. It is incredibly challenging and difficult to do. Uh, and that's why we love it. Yeah, and there's, there's two follow-up questions I've got with that, and you've, you've, you've set me up beautifully for the, the couple of things I wanted to ask. The first is, as a fan, I understand a Lions tour is the, the greatest party in sport. People go to these faraway places and they travel around, they follow the team around the country, they watch the midweek games, they watch the tests, and it's just a phenomenal trip to take as a fan you know there's so many red shirts the red shirts sometimes look like they're outnumbering the home supporters it's phenomenal it really is but help us understand and you gave us a touch of it in your answer there but help us understand what it is about the lions for the players is it the challenge is it the camaraderie is it the trip is it the being part of history what is it that that, that the players uh, that resonates with the players so much well, to understand, you've answered your own question there. All of, all of the above, um, <laughs> all of the above. It, it, it quite simply is that it is when you bring in four teams together, four nations together, they come together as one and take on a home nation. Then you generate that enthusiasm and that affection and, and adoration from people who travel eight thousand miles to follow you in their tens of thousands. You know that is quite remarkable. That is quite remarkable. Um, even with the you know the globe reduced inside compared to you know they used to travel on cruise liners and have to take a number of weeks to get there, and the globe is, is, is shrinking as a consequence now of you know aviation and so on and so forth. But even then, it's a significant challenge to ask people to come and, and, and support us. But they do because there is this unique uh, ability to make rugby's greatest attribute friendship. It's rugby's greatest strength is to bring people together. You need your mates. You need your mates. I need my mates, particularly, you know, out in the wing and being relatively small in comparison to other players. Fear is a very underrated emotion. You wanted people around you, generally bigger <laughs> than you, to help you out. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, you make great friends. You know, friends that I, I went on my first tour in 1989 with Finley Cole, probably the finest captain I ever played alongside, was, was, the, was the captain of that tour. And had a great influence on me um, in my relatively young uh, international rugby career back then. But it drove you to go back and want it again and again. It's an addictive part of this. I want to try that again. It is so different to anything else you did. But it's it's the ultimate test. And the lifeblood of any successful Lions tour is competition. You have to have competition. The squad in the high 30s, uh, like it would be on, on, this, on this trip, um, you know, they, uh, or whatever the, the the new coach Andy Farrell selected once in in the touring side and so on. It's it's you know it, that internal competition is the lifeblood because it's you're out there for a long period of time. Again, for some people it'd be it'd be a, a novel experience. They wouldn't have been on a on a tour of this duration for starters. They certainly wouldn't have been turning up in training sessions where the best players from four countries all compete for one slot or two slots. You know, and every training session is full on. It has to be because you're competing for that slot. You're trying to catch the coach's eye. You're trying to perform in your one or two chances to gain that cherished red test jersey. You know, because ultimately, you know, it is a high performance um, touring side. You need to win a test series and everyone wants to be part of winning our test series. So and that, it, it, it really is, it comes across, you know, every every time you hear a player talk about a Lions tour, every time you, you hear them talk about the teammates, you can you can feel exactly what you've just described there. But I'm also curious, um, the second part of my question, to the layman or to those kind of uh, without a deep understanding of the game itself, it seems on paper, you think to yourself, you take the best players from four different countries and you build a team out of them, surely the Lions should be favourites rather than, generally speaking, the underdogs when they go on these tours. It's marginal, but they are generally underdogs. So help us understand just how difficult it is to come together, to bring four teams of superstar rugby players together and actually create a team, a functional team out of them. It it has somewhat evolved. It used to be back um, when I first had it, and certainly back from the days of when... Barry John played or, or Phil Bennett, another great giant, or JPR Williams, who unfortunately we lost um, uh, a number of weeks back and so on. Back then, the only time you had cross-border games tended to be in some of them, internationals. Um, sometimes there were Anglo-Welsh encounters where you met one or two players from the England side as you were Welsh and so on. But some of the Irish and Scottish players, you didn't have an awful lot to do other than during, as it was, the um, you know the international uh, series in, the, in as it is Six Nations. Back then, there have been four and five nations. So you didn't have an awful lot to do. So back then, the challenge, obviously the tours might have been slightly longer, was to gel and bond that team. Team bonding, you know, it's 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 now commonplace within large global entities as as. Giles knows. Back then, team bonding was very much part of the Lions. You know, you had to get that right because uh, you had to be united when you take on a home nation. And yes, you think with a talent of four countries coming together, um, they would be, you know, it would be uh, favourites on on those tours. But it doesn't work like that because you are you are travelling eight thousand miles. You're probably at the end of a long, hard, arduous season to begin with. So you're coming towards the tail end of your season. Fatigue is starting to build up. 
the other nation, the host nation, are at the start of it. So they're fresh as well. So there might be an element of rustiness. And so you find that, you try and find that equilibrium in a test series where the lines might start stronger, might tail off. The host nation might start a bit rusty and then come to the fore. But it doesn't always work like that because that's the serendipity of sports, isn't it? You want, there's an, always an element of doubt. Um, I think 89... Um, back to my first tour, I think was the is the only series that the Lions have ever lost the first game and then gone on to win the series. Um, so thanks it doesn't to, thanks tend to, to happen like that. Uh, well, it was more than me. There was a lot of yeah. other people involved in that. Yeah. I was just fortunate. Yeah. Of <laughs> there was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, uh, this is very bizarre because I, I repeat, uh, I'm not a, a, a rugby guy, but I have always loved the Lions. And, you know, uh, we're in a period now where you're seeing some documentaries about rugby. Uh, and I don't think what I saw with these ones touched the ones that have been about the Lions on tour uh, with some amazing footage, you know, whether it's Doddy Weir being told that, you know, his, his tour's over, all of these things. And, I, and I've always loved the idea, and you said they're Finlay Condler, Scots, Calder, Scotsman, I always wonder, you know, um, when team teammates come together and they naturally are from four different nations, is there ever any kind of like thing about a clique and they hang out together and they don't really bond? How does, because it never seems that way. It seems as if as soon as they pull on the Lions jersey, you know, it's like Richard the Lionheart. It's as if, we you know, it's back in those old days. You know, like what is the, how does that happen in the Lions? What, 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 is it some kind of magic juice or something? Uh, when you uh, when you mentioned Doddy there, I thought you were going to mention that magical moment when he said his mistaken identity when he was uh, when we were talking in the in the press conference when he was caught out after that was great. That was great. Yes, yes, that was lovely. <laughs> but that that going back to the '97 tour, I, I think for many people who hadn't had the the the, uh, the pleasure to follow a tour directly, it was a, just a a a snapshot of what it's like to tour, what it's like to ensure that that um, interaction, that engagement across, the, that, that competitiveness, that friendship uh, is critical. It's that critical element. I talked about the competition, which, which is the lifeblood, but that ability to, to gel as a team and have one common goal. You know, when you're four different entities coming together and those lifelong friendships you, you create as a consequence of that. And it really is that. And it's, it, it, it sounds very a sort of a romantic notion about touring and everyone's on, you know, uh, full of bonhomie, full of great friendship. But actually, that's how successful tours come to the fore. You have to get that magic ingredient. And it's not one thing. It's not one panacea to this, but that magic agreement, uh, ingredient that galvanizes and unites um you know 40 odd people uh a long way away from home in the most fierce of intensity and pressure and expectation um and uh, that is priceless absolutely priceless and you know there are moments you mentioned the word pressure um and you mentioned we started the show, uh, Barry John uh, 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 and also JPR and, and, and that generation. Can I ask you, you, you come after these guys and, and, and you are got a Lions cap and you've got a Lions shirt 
that must be a huge amount of pressure uh, to have to do what they did and and wear that jersey with the same the same respect and and, and deliver the same results. I can I can't imagine how much of a weight that is. Does that shirt really weigh weigh you down? Is it heavy? Um, well. I didn't have to do it once. I did it twice. I did, it, I did it follow those, uh, those those giants of the game for Wales as well. Um, so you'd carry that burden more than once. But it's it's not a burden. It's not a burden because it brings so much enjoyment, so much satisfaction. You don't think of it as a burden. You're just custodians for this brief moment. You carry the baton for just another lap of the track. You just carry on and carry on and hopefully um, – uh, not mess things up too badly, um, because that legacy that those players have created uh, just ensures that 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 the regard and the reverence really um, that those players generated for the Lions or for Wales and so on that you that you you still allow that love and affection to carry on and it, and it is that uh, and that's probably you don't feel that response you look back at it now and thinking oh I'm glad I didn't mess it up um, but you know you do uh, you don't feel that burden you just you're so wrapped up in being part of it. And that truly special bond you created in those in those amazing moments, you know, when it's whether you're playing in 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 um, you know whether, whether you're playing in Sydney Football Stadium, whether you're playing in you know, as will happen in on this forthcoming tour to Australia in the MCG, you know, or you're playing in M, in Eden Park in Auckland, or you're playing in Newlands um, as was in '97. You know, those moments you want to be part of history. Any elite sportsman want to be part of history. There is an ego driving this as well. You want to be part of those special moments. And whatever you do, whether you play football, cricket, tennis, golf, whatever, you like to have your name etched in another in another chapter of history. Yeah, and at the um, t- uh, moment we're recording this, it's um, the Sunday after the first weekend of the Six Nations 2024. We've already seen some fantastic uh, results. Ireland looked very powerful, and and the new Lions coach Andy Farrell will be pleased with the win. With the win, um, we saw a resurgent Welsh side just fall short against the dastardly Scots, who finally won in Cardiff after. Sorry, you were twenty-seven nil down. <laughs> resurgent. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? it's the red wine I'm having a lovely evening I'm having a lovely evening I I get your point I'm with you I'm with you Thank I think you. he watched the game Thank backwards, Rod. He watched the second half first. The Scottish one of the pub and after he came over. <laughs> my my uh, my point of the, the ridiculous question was that the, 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 it started. Now it is countdown to the Lions. We, we we there was an announcement that you made about the new Lions coach in January. And now the Six Nations in underway. And of course, many players through injury, form changes, all the rest of it. But it's now on the it's now on the lips of everybody of who's gonna make um that 35-40 squad next next year. And all the way through the summer, the autumn internationals and into next year, the Lions, particularly for the for the, our listeners who don't know, this becomes the pub conversation of who's in, who might be in, who's out, who's not looking form. My question for you, Yian, is that one of the, the challenges for the Lions is one to keep relevant, and that's probably been the case really probably since 93 through your second tour. If Can the Lions hold its mystique, hold its kind of special place? 
in 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 the pantheon of rugby union. But we have for the first time, I I, I might argue, a, a challenge where Australia are not looking as strong as they have been, um, certainly from the last World Cup. And where in the past, I think the last three or four Lions tours, the the Lions opposition has been the World Cup winners um, before. What's your feeling about that? Are you worried about that or with a new coach um, that the Australians have um, produced and Australian cussedness and the fact they have many years of global sport coming with a World Cup, Rugby World Cup, and obviously the Olympic Games and everything else coming. Does it worry you? Uh, Australians are past masters of getting their, their, their sporting houses in order in, in rapid time. Correct. They just appointed Joe <laughs> Schmidt in whatever sport. You think of the Cricket World Cup um, recently. You know, they were being uh, touted as, as, as failures before they even arrived on, the, on Indian shores to take that Cricket World Cup on, and they won it. Australians are past masters at turning it on really quick. They're a proud sporting nation with so many uh, strengths available to them. And they've also uh, brought in Joe Schmidt. Um, and that's an interesting sort of dynamic now, Joe Schmidt, with, with Andy Farrell, uh, worked alongside each other for Ireland. So um, they strengthen. I have no doubt uh, they'll be in a good place by the time we, we get around to the tour. And I'm looking forward to a, a fabulous tour. Um, a lot can change in two years. Um, we know that in in, in sporting terms. Yeah, and can I can I move us slightly away from the uh, Alliance for a moment and just talk about the Rugby World Cup because we we you know, we all spent a lot of time watching that obviously uh, uh, last year and you know it it I don't know I, I I think Roger and I certainly perhaps not so much Giles but we felt that it was just kind of extended and dragged out and it just kind of didn't really get interesting until. The last rounds, and we've kind of been through this with the with the you know with the FIFA World Cup over the years as they've broadened it out, and, and I absolutely understand um, what they're trying to do in terms of growing the game, but it's a very fine line in terms of doing that. And I say, hand on heart, you know, I love rugby, but I didn't watch it until the closing stages because I just I didn't see any games that really appealed to me, apart from that very first game of the, of the entire tournament. Um, is there is there anything that rugby can do to try and make it more competitive, make it more engrossing, and at the same time grow the game the way they're trying to do? Because it seems like such a difficult needle to thread. It is, but but you think you think back to the Rugby World Cup and you think of that quarterfinal day. That's one of the best days of rugby I think I've ever seen. Uh, it was astonishing the level of performances there, and and, and obviously the next World Cup, I think. Uh, the shape of the pool is going to be slightly different as it was this year, so it'll more probably uh, probably make it far more uh, competitive from, from for the whole duration of the tour um, uh, of the tournament, which is better. But I don't think no one's got a monopoly on wisdom within within sport or within sporting administration in terms of how how we how we evolve, how we move forward, uh, and so on. What, what, and uh, it's important we don't, you know. Yes, I, I take your point. Is there always danger? We elongate things beyond its 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 window um, of of appetite and and um, and relevance. I think you touched on that. I think it's an important word, uh, Giles. Relevance, because that's really important. We have to maintain that, and that's why you know we're looking ahead to the to to, to the twenty five tour from a Lions perspective, and the demographics of people who have been who have captured. 
the, the, the two last announcements we made, both a head coach and the women's lines in 27 as well. The demographic is really good. It's 18 to 34. It's just grown. You know, it shows that the appetite is there from the young nation. We can't just purely pitch towards a certain generation. We need to, we need to broaden this demographics, the gender across it all, because we need to capture that, you know, as I said, no one has a divine right to capture the attention of, 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 um, uh, the sport in masses. We have to go out there and engage and bring them something they want to see, want to hear about. And that's why the, I think the Lions has that ability to capture the hearts and the interest, perhaps beyond that. But, uh, but do, do I think that, you know, there are lessons to be learned across others? Of course there are, as we all do. We're all, we're all within sporting spheres, magpies. You know, we always look, ooh, could we try that? And yes, uh, let, let's be innovative. Let's evolve. Let's not stand still. You can't stand still. It's such a competitive landscape out there for the attention of people out there because people are busy and they have an appetite and they have the ability to reach places through media, um, through various broadcast channels that they never had before. So you're competing against sports probably 30 years you've never heard of. And you, you couldn't access. Now you can access everything. So it's all upon us to ensure that we 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 give something to people that they want to see. And if they hadn't heard it before, you've touched on, I mean, we've got a new audience listening to you who might not know, hey, who's one of the Lions? Well, let's educate in terms of what the Lions can bring, something different. Um, and the Lions has that. It is unique. It is, it is unique, you know, Um and one of the things, I guess, you know, personal questions from me here today, because as I said at the start of the show, I really was quite engaged with rugby as a, as a young lad. Um, and um, you, Yayan, you lived through the, the professionalisation of the game from the game that I thought was uh, compelling and fascinating with all these characters, with all this open play and not everybody was, you know, super fit and, and there was gaps and great players exploited those gaps to today where, you know, they're, 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 they're movable tanks that, that, that don't leave a lot of gaps and everything like that. Can, can you tell me a little bit or shoot down the idea that I've always had that, the professionalization of the game in terms of the, the appeal you're talking about has in some ways diminished what was such a thrilling sport in the 70s. I think that's, uh, you ask that about uh, many sports, not purely rugby here. You know, when you demand more of people, then it then becomes, and you professionalize as a consequence because you're asking for more and more as you push standards higher and higher. You pick up of other sports, what do they do and so on. And you demand them far, far more than professionalism was, was, uh, was an obvious step to take. I think what we're finding now, when you look at the, uh, the I think the game is speeding up uh, again. I think there was a danger. They were slowing down to become very much an impact game. I think the game is speeding up. I think the laws of the game are now allowing the game to be quicker. I know you just watched uh, a couple of games, two, three games over the weekend, which were really enthralling, entertaining, high-skilled. And that's about, it's about developing skills. But it's also about, as you rightly said, rugby, particularly the attacking rugby, which is you know generally what people turn up to watch, is about creating and exploiting space. There is space out there. And it's for, and it's for sides now to compete to understand how they create that space. Uh, and that's the challenge. That should be the challenge. Uh, the game is a, is a need to be a progressive game. I believe it is a progressive game. 
and it constantly evolves as a consequence. You know, that, that's what it's about. And that's, you, you, you make your move, the opposition make their move, and the game moves on as a consequence. I, I, I honestly think the speed of the game over the last, you think of the World Cup and you think um, the games that were played in the World Cup, you've already seen a start, you know, in the first weekend, obviously it's early days in this tournament of the Six Nations, but first weekend, signs are positive. But there's a product there that people will be uh, captured by, will be entertained by, will want to participate in, will want to view, will want to listen to, because it, it, it has that ability. Yeah, and I alluded earlier to uh, the fact that under your chairmanship, there's going to be the first ever women's British and Irish Lions um, team departing from these sceptered isles, going out all the way down to New Zealand for what will be undoubtedly a, a pretty tough tour. Tell me your personal views about what that feels. Women's rugby has been one of the success stories of a game that has certainly had its challenges in terms of injury and head injury and participation and all sorts of things. And yet the 15-a-side and the 7-a-side game amongst um, women and girls seems to be in growth. As a former Lion yourself, a three-time Lion, let's not forget that. Not many people can say that. What, what does it feel for you to be sort of the steward of bringing in this next chapter in the British and Irish Lions history? Because it, it must be enormous for you. Uh, well, a lot of people did a lot of work. We spent the best part of a year on a feasibility study where engaged with all the various stakeholders in the game, administrators, broadcasters, sponsors, players, most importantly, uh, coaches and so on, to understand, you know, first of all, where can we go? The upward trajectory of... Um, I think the announcement reflects the upward trajectory of the game, of the women's game and women's rugby. Um, it warrants it. The quality of the rugby warrants a Lions tour. I think it will benefit the Lions. Um, and if not now, when? You know, it was, it was, uh, it was really positive. And, and the announcement just really was an uh, uplifting experience for me. Been sat, been in our room. You were there, Giles. You know the 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 the, the buzz, the um, the sheer joy. And I touched on it quite a few times over over those couple of weeks. The sheer joy that Lions brings, and why not bring it to a, to a, to a, uh, to the women's game? It, it it it. There's a justification for the, for it taking part, and um, we're going to the current world champions, New Zealand. Um, you know where. Um, Rugby is, you know, is very much part of their, their DNA as much as it is with with the four home unions. You know, it's it's the place to go. And I, I think what is key to, to talk about is like then it's up to the women's lions to take to plough their own furrow here, to take it wherever they want to go. You know, it's not it's not a cut and paste to look to follow exactly what the men are doing. As long as the DNA of the lions, I it's a touring team. There's a test series. And he unites four nations together, and the principle of, of that 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 bonding, that togetherness, that unity of purpose and goal and mission remains intact. Everything else is down to the women's lions to take wherever they want to go, you know. And and who knows where it might go? Because the one thing that's without a shadow of a doubt is the lions shines a very powerful beacon on whatever it travels to. A very powerful beacon, and is is and on and what that does, it shines a light on the game wherever they may go. And this time, it's it's oh, in twenty twenty seven, it's going to be New Zealand, wherever they might go in the future. And not only in the host nation and the legacy it leaves there, but the legacy it leaves 
um, on supporters of the game here in these four uh, unions, in these four nations as well. You know, when the creates and young girls get up in the morning and say, and exactly as I did back in 1971 and 1974 when I watched The Invincibles, create impression of me. And I was a young boy. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't a young girl want to feel exactly the same way as it? I want to do that. Yeah, let, let, let's move on to uh, the bucket list. Yeah, this, this show is all about sporting bucket lists and understanding those kind of incredible sporting uh, events that people want to be a part of. And, and it's, you know, we, we sit here as, as three uh, ageing men on the sidelines who are, are crazy sports fans, but we've never reached the pinnacle of just about anything, I think. Giles uh, may have a few piano-playing stories, but that, that's not really the pinnacles we're looking for. So it's always fascinating well, I'm with you to when the agent, to, I'm with you when the agent achieve... <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think we've all got a few years on Roger still, but we'll, we'll hang on to those. But um, it's it's fascinating talking to people who have been at the very pinnacle of sport and understanding those events that they would really like to be a part of and perhaps haven't even experienced yet. A popular one is coming up uh, in a week's time, which is the Super Bowl. Many many athletes seem to want to you know, to, to attend a Super Bowl. Um, but what, what what would be at the top of your list of uh, bucket list events that you'd love to go and be a part of? Well, you stole my thunder there. Uh, Super Bowl would be no, very no, much interesting. on my list. Interesting. Yeah, I'm a big NFL fan. I love the NFL. Um, it's yeah, it's uh, athletic excellence, and you admire as, as you know as a, f- a former international rugby player, you admire that excellence, that sporting prowess, that talent they have. And yes, it's a show, uh, but I love I love what they do. You know, and in, in we're talking about the US, and yet their system. Um, is a very egalitarian one, you know, where there is, you know, you saw Buffalo uh, take part, you know, it's, it's, you know, you saw, you saw, I won't go that far, but, um, um, but yeah, you saw Buffalo, you know, a small market team take on, you know, far bigger. You see Dallas Cowboys, the biggest, the most valuable uh, franchise in the world of sport, they still can't make a Super Bowl. There's something quite about that. You're thinking, oh, everyone can get a chance there. And I, I just love the, uh, the NFL. I got it. Yeah, and on that note, just because this is big news within in Wales, so Louis uh, Rees-Samet, um, the, the Welsh winger, so played in your position as well, um, has made the move to the NFL. He's part of a, a program now to see if he can go to the to the very top level at NFL. And I, he's a little larger than you, so I'd probably back him over you in terms of that that journey back in the day. How what what do you make of that? I mean, you're a former chairman of the Welsh Rugby Union. What's your feeling about a, a young, very talented athlete who has decided to spread his wings and try and play his extraordinary skills and gifts in an entirely different sport? Are you supportive? Are you surprised? Are you pleased? How does that feel? Almost take your blazer off. And what does Yian Evans think? Uh, well, first of all, you know, the fact that now Young, young people can access different sports and engage in different sports and and, and take on new challenges in, in, in foreign countries is, 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 you know, a best luck to him and good luck to them. It also shows how competitive that sporting arena for the interests and participation of youngsters is. You know, all of a sudden, uh, one of our leading players goes to the NFL. And yes, we've had kickers. I know Gavin uh, took part in kicking. A number of people have taken part in being kickers. But actually, as a as as a wide receiver or a tight end or a running back, whatever you end up 
potentially being. It's a massive challenge, and I wish him all the best. It'd be to see a Welshman take part in a in a in the NFL and be successful um, is massive. Uh, it shows the talent we still have in Wales that actually. You know, one of our players can get picked up and played in, you know, in in, in another elite sport, uh, a, a totally different elite sport. But he obviously had a had an, uh, a love for for the NFL. Uh, he was a big fan from a very young age and took an opportunity. I'm sad to see him go um, because you know who knows he might well have been playing on this uh, in the forthcoming Lions tour to Australia. Um, a fabulous talent, and you don't want to see talent go. But I wish him all the very best. Yeah, and I've got I've got one that um, I was thinking about when you were talking earlier, and and certainly when Jill's brought in the women, which is great. It really is great. Um, is there a two thousand and twenty four version of the ninety nine call? I'm just thinking of it. That could be really cool. I kept well, as I said, fears a very underrated emotion. I I always kept myself very much on the fringe. Uh, I used to be in the Celtic. Willie fringe. John would have not liked fr- that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would literally be on the fringe of that. I'm, I'm, I'm that's extraordinary that. because it was JPR. It was JPR yes. who came running ran in the from length. about fifty yards ran the to have a go. Pitch. Is that right? I know. I know. I know. Probably waited for the referee to blow the whistle first. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but he was just so insisted of uh, yeah, JPR, uh, JPR making tackles in the corner, which probably wouldn't be allowed these days. He did it on, jo- uh, on Godin, who was the French right wing. Yes, in, he in did. A the Grand French Slam one, yeah. In yeah, Cardiff, actually. Yeah. He probably wouldn't allow that now. But uh, yeah, always, always be big mates with the biggest guy in your team. <laughs> yeah, and I, I have a question for you about the game more more generally. Um, you're a chairman of the British and Irish Lions, and and you've got a, in some ways that's the, it's not the armchair ride, but it is certainly the pinnacle of the sport. It's the most respected and loved brand within rugby union. I think we'd all agree. If New Zealand is probably the most feared, if South Africa is probably the most rugged, there is a a belovedness about the British and Irish Lions that even if you're a Kiwi a South African or a Wallaby or a Puma, you're going to have a great respect and affection for. That being said, the game has got some challenges, as we've alluded to earlier. Does does that worry you? Uh, Is that something that you feel that the Lions can weave some of its magic to help the game restore itself? Because I think anybody who thinks all is well in the state of Denmark, to dreadfully misquote the Bard, would would be a dreamer. Is that something that sits on your shoulders where you feel the Lions can be a medicine for the game that you have been, as you say, forged and, and been part of you for, for all of your life? To that point, I, I, I'm, so I, I truly believe that the Lions has some restorative powers um, because it is that different. It has, a, it has the ability uh, to unify, to unite that and bring that... Um, Affection and it is beloved. Um, of that, there's no doubt. Uh, but you have to, when you have that much goodwill that's so deeply embedded, um, you have to uh, fuel it. You can't just rely on it. Never take things for granted. Never take things. For, you have to keep evolving, progressing. Be progressive. Reach d- different um, areas, different people. Um, 
never take for granted, um, but it will always be the case. Um, that's always dangerous ground, uh, very dangerous ground. So we keep re- reaching out more, leaving more of a legacy and trying more. But I, I, as I said before, it does create a global platform. It, it does bring real interest from people who aren't, sometimes many of them, not rugby fans, but they've heard about the Lions. You talked about it, Roger. You know, everyone's heard about the Lions. Now, um, why wouldn't we use that to bring some real goodwill into the game, some real love and affection into the game? Uh, we're blessed with some great tournaments, Rugby World Cup, wonderful tournament, Six Nations, Rugby Tournament. You know, the Lions bring nothing something like different. Nothing like the Lions. Nothing like the yeah, Lions. There is nothing, nothing like, like the Lions. The Lions. Um, we, we don't have time to get into it, but where it fits in the calendar, who pays for the players, how all these uh, competing governing bodies, that's not the tone for today's show because I genuinely mean it that the, the lines for me are something very, very special. And, and I'm delighted that, uh, Yang, when we wrap up now, that you've, you've come on, especially today. Uh, and this has been a thrilling conversation for me. I genuinely mean that because, you know, it's a real throwback to, to one of my entry points into my love of sport. Well, thanks, Roger. It's very kind of you to say so. But I truly think that Lions is additive to not only the rugby landscape, but the sporting landscape. And um, does bring something uh, different. And, and as long as we still make sure that it's the ultimate experience for everybody who takes part, everybody who feels part of that Lions family, and that's players, because ultimately that's what that's what drives the Lions. It's the players. As long as they feel that this is the challenge they want to undertake, this is the path, this is the experience they want to live, um, then I think the Lions has a significant place yet to play in the future of, uh, of rugby and sport as a whole. Yeah, and it's been brilliant to have you on. And uh, we're going to be spending uh, a lot of time together in the next um, 20 months. I've been practicing my piano, the various songs for, for you and the committee, so that we can have a, a jolly nice time. So God help us all. Um, Yain Evans, thank you very much for coming on the bucket list. Thanks, Giles. There is a downside to lions after all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, boys, that was terrific. What a what a what a what an absolute legend he is. I found that just really delightful, and it probably came across a little bit, um, a little bit of fanboy stuff there. Uh, I absolutely love the British lines. Uh, so, um, first of all, I'd like to thank Infinity Sports Travel for allowing us to do that uh, for the bucket list series. Uh, I'd also like to thank Giles because. Um, all the things we talked about there and what this tour is going to be also for the women for the first time. Um, Mr. Morgan has got a, a pretty senior role in delivering all of that. I won't mention for whom because um, it's not their show, but I'd like to thank Elliot and David for um, getting behind the Lions and using our groundsman to deliver what I'm sure is going to be an amazing, amazing tour. And after having listened to, to Yayan for an hour, and it could have been another, easily another couple of hours for me, um, I'm, I'm already excited. So um, long live the lines. Absolutely. Are you not entertained? Live from Australia, coming to you in 2025, I dare say, gents. I feel an opportunity coming on, fellas. I do, I have Amen. to say. <laughs> Amen. 
Oh, well, well, listen, our thanks to our guest, Jayan Evans, for joining us. Uh, what a fantastic guest he was. Our thanks to you, as always, for listening. Um, if you don't follow us on social media, what the hell are you thinking? You can do that very simple. You'll find us at Entertained R. That's the word A-R-E. Slightly less important is to follow the three of us individually, I would imagine, but if you want to do that, um, fair enough. You can do that. Follow me quite easily at T-T-M-Y-G-H. And you can follow me, Giles Morgan, at GilesMorgan71. And myself at RPM Como, as in the lake. As in the lake. Gentlemen, until next time. <laughs>